welcome to episode number 17 of Travels with Squeaky. Travels with Squeaky is a podcast for solo women RVers, campers, and van lifers, and I'm your host, Kathy Belge. In this episode of Travels with Squeaky, I talk with Jen Hawk. Jen just celebrated one year on the road full-time. Jen lost her job when COVID shut everything down last year, and like a lot of us, she took a long, hard look at her life and started to think about her dream of living and traveling in an RV. She did her research, found the perfect rig, and headed out at the end of October 2020. She shares with us the highs and lows from her first year of travel, which did include several breakdowns. She's got a great outlook on this lifestyle, and I think you will all resonate with her story. All right, Jen, Jen Hawk, welcome to the Travel Welcome to the Travels with Squeaky podcast. I'm so excited you decided to come on and talk about your journey and your travels and you're celebrating one year on the road. Yes, I am. Cool. One year on the 20th of October. You know, I just talked to somebody else who also started her journey in October and it just seems like a crazy time to get started in RV travel. Why did you pick October? Um... It's about when the weather starts getting cooler in the Pacific Northwest, where I'm from. And um, it just so happened that that's when our lease ran out (laughs) or ended. You're hitting your one year anniversary of hitting the road. But I want to back up for a second and ask you, like, what what sparked a decision for you to go into full time RV travel in the first place? Um, I was an 11 year Girl Scout. So camping and being out in nature and, and exploration was introduced to me at a young age, but my husband and I started camping, um, car camping, tent camping. And, um, I had stumbled across YouTube videos of people that lived in their RVs, vans, um, trailers. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And it really intrigued me and so I immersed myself in it and then the following spring was when our whole pandemic unfolded right and so I had more time (laughs) (laughs) but at that point I had already decided that this is something I wanted to do in my lifetime and our lease ran out in October and we had decided to purchase in June and had that whole summer to prepare it. Wow. Get ready. Yeah. So did you, did you have jobs that you left behind or did you take them with you on the road? Um, no, no jobs on the road. Um, the pandemic took our jobs originally. Okay. Okay. So I didn't have one to go back to. Um, my husband did have a job to go back to and tried it for a while, but it was just really drastically different. Um, so he was, he was ready to, to bail. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. All right. So you originally, so you originally hit the road, you and your husband. Correct. Um, where did you go? Uh, we headed immediately South. (laughs) So through Washington, um, went through Oregon, um, into Idaho, you know, down through Nevada, um, 
had a great time and, and eventually met up with a friend in um, Arizona at a property that she has. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of our little rest spot. Um, and then we proceeded to head east across the south um, to explore Florida. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite places. And then um, at that point, it was about Christmas. Mm-hmm. So husband wanted to fly home and surprise his mother for it was her last Christmas we knew it she was diagnosed Mm. with you know terminal cancer nothing worked um and so he wanted to surprise her so I was alone for about a month um no it was about 10 days I'm sorry not that Mm. quite that long okay and then um he flew back to me there and we continued back um, across to Arizona. And the reason for that, we just wanted to be back for, for January. So when you say back, you have a per, uh, like a permanent place where you hang out in Arizona. It's kind of an open door at my friend's property with hookups. It's comfortable. Oh, nice. Okay. Around the right. my area. So um, I didn't ask you, what do you travel in? Um, I have a class C. It's a 2005 um, class C. It's 29 feet. Okay. Yeah. And so just tell me a little bit like why you chose that rig and if you're happy with your decision. Uh, I did a lot of research. So yes, I'm very happy with my decision. Ah, okay. (laughs) Some of the main things that I needed to have. Um, I wanted to walk around bed. Mm-hmm. I wanted my shower separate from my toilet. Mm-hmm. I wanted a V10 engine, mm-hmm. gasoline engine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted basically an apartment just shrunk down. And I knew a van couldn't necessarily do that. And I was scared of the sizes of the class A's. So, so class C is where I landed. Okay. And, um, where did you end up buying it? Uh, it was purchased in Washington. It was purchased uh, about an hour away um, from where we lived um, or where we needed to park it, I'll say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> so we were lucky enough that it was actually the first rig we found. Was it like a Craigslist or from a dealer or? Uh, I believe, it, yeah, it was Facebook. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we were checking all places like Craigslist, um, all kinds of listings, just basically searching the size and and the class C and our price range. Okay. Yeah. And so you're real happy with your rig, but I know you have had some breakdowns on the road. That comes with the territory. (laughs) You know, it really does. And I think that some, I think that's something I really want to, um, kind of stress for people who are new to this, that breakdowns are just part of it. So why don't you tell us your story of your, the big, the first big breakdown you had? We um, left a puddle. We were coming, you know, back up last spring, this last spring from Arizona, back up to Washington. We wanted to hit there about when summer arrives, which is, is July. Um, And we noticed a puddle when we entered like Nevada, Laughlin area. Mm-hmm. And it kind of surprised us because I realized it was transmission fluid. And when I haven't had any 
been having any issues. And so we immediately took it to the nearby transmission shop and the guy was just very helpful and, and nice and didn't even charge us, but took a quick look at it and says, you're not losing anything now. I don't see anything cracked. I don't see anything of alarm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess maybe it was overfilled and with the elevation and the heat and, you know, it's just expanding out the access that you don't need. Mm. So we were very avid about checking it upon gas ups and, and cold, checking it when it's hot, all different things. And we never had to add any, which was so strange because hmm. we lost a little that time and it kind of intermittently left puddles. Hmm. So we reached Utah and for some reason, my rig, her majesty is what we call her. <laughs> Great name. I love it. <laughs> She does not like Utah, Highway 15. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. Okay. I don't and like that highway either, by the way. It's south of Provo. And we had decided that we're going to do some, you know, kind of remote camping forest road. Mm-hmm. And we had found a clearing that was big enough to turn around and in and everything off this road. Ran up near a creek. It was beautiful. And... As we get up there, we found the patch, we decide how we want it parked, and I get in to put it in reverse, and the engine just makes this horrible sound, mm. <laughs> ching, ching, you know, metal clang, Ooh. and I hurry up and put it in park, and we both jump out, and we look under the rig, and it is spurting <gasps> transmission fluid, spurting, oh. spurting, and our eyes are huge. We look at each other. I say, get in just get in. We got to go. And so we fly out of there. I mean, I just put it in neutral because I know I don't want to do any damage and I only have so much time and so much Mm. fluid in there to get down the mountain. We had no cell service. Mm. I knew a tow truck probably wouldn't come and get us. (laughs) Um, I wanted to get out to safety to the main road off the gravel road. Um, If I could get even further down to the truck stop at the bottom of the hill, on the main highway, um, that would be great. Mm. So here we are rolling, eventually barreling, almost, you know, barreling down these gravel roads to get to the main drag. And I was so hoping there was going to be no cars coming so that I could just easily turn onto the highway and get down the mountain. Wow. And I did. We did it. I mean, there was no cars. I only had to put it in gear for a short little flat part along a rim before I had another descent. Mm. We made it all the way around down and to the truck stop. And I, I just said, I don't even care how big the puddle is. (laughs) I just got to see that something's still coming out and then I'm going to bed. Oh God. (laughs) There's just nothing. It was already dark. That was one of the horrible things. It's a rule that I try not to break. I want to be parked by dark. And we were cutting it really close. And this is what I had to deal with in the dark. And a lesson learned. A lesson learned. So how how far do you estimate that journey down that road was to get you to safety? Like five miles, 15 miles, 20 miles? Nine minutes. It says nine minutes. Okay. But, but in a situation like that, nine minutes can feel like forever. 
Well, it was very, very, very dark. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if somebody did see us, I would still be lit up, you know, like they could still see me. Um, but I just, yeah, it was just a little bit too many layers of safety just weren't there that normally I keep in place. Yeah. Okay. So I want to hear, I want to hear about the lessons learned, but first I want to hear the outcome of this story. When we sat there, I, I circled, I couldn't put in reverse. I wasn't going to trust that. So mm -hmm. I had pulled it around and I had parked next to like those semi-containers trailers. Um, mm -hmm. And I had enough shade, you know, for the next day. And that was great because we ended up waiting about six hours for our tow. Okay. We were pretty, pretty far out there. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we needed a special rig to tow us. So, um, so even though you were at a truck stop, you were still far off the beaten path. Yeah, it was a Monday. It mm -hmm. was a Monday. I remember that. So I knew, oh gosh, they're going to have catch up from the weekend and we're going to mm -hmm. be part of that. And, um, but yeah, we eventually got towed and then we woke up the next morning at the dealership. So were you, uh, do you have AAA or what kind of towing service do you have? Or do you have a towing service? Um, I've had AAA for many years in my life. And, uh, and basically we just upgraded it to the RV yeah. AAA coverage. Um, yeah, very happy with it. Uh, I haven't paid anything out of pocket for any of my tows. So I've any of the them. Okay. So there's yes. been more than one. <laughs> <laughs> Front transmission seal was what was wrong with that one. So okay. That was and uh, was that an expensive repair or was that pretty reasonable? That was the, the most expensive so far. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I started off with the doozy and really, you know, just, you know, tore into the shock right away. Mm -hmm. Um, so that all these other ones don't seem so bad. I mean, I had battery rep replacements, um, little things like that, but, mm -hmm. but the next path pass through highway 15, Utah was my alternator failed. Oh my God. The same road, the same stretch South of Provo. Wow. Desolate. And I already knew where to go because I had a great experience mm. at that same dealership and I wasn't very far and I limped it in that time. Now your, your um, RV is on a Ford. Is that correct? Ford chassis. Yeah. So did you just take it to a, a Ford dealership or did you have to go to an RV dealership? Um, Ford dealership. Yes. But not every Ford dealership will accept an RV. So okay. the trick there is to look for a truck dealership, Ford truck dealership, mm. like for fleets or work trucks, things like that. Gotcha. Okay. So the second breakdown was your, what, what went out the second time? Alternator. The alternator. Okay. Right. And it, so that was a little, little stressful because I did need to get towed you know, between the dealership and the battery place. Oh, interesting. They couldn't just, you couldn't just put a battery in? 
I wanted to go back to where I had the warranty on the battery and I had to go to Interstate. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. But still I haven't paid for a tow. Um, yeah, I have the, I have the AAA also, and I've only had one tow, but thank God for that. And I didn't have to pay for it either. Mm-hmm. And I think it's up to a hundred miles. And I don't know if that's state specific, but, mm-hmm. or policy specific, but yeah, I was shocked that it was a hundred miles. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't cost that much. So no, definitely- but I also have another layer through my, I have progressive full-time RV insurance mm. on my rig. And they have another layer of roadside assistance that isn't as inclusive as AAA, but it's something that I would have in case I've used up all my AAA. Yes. Okay. Well, fingers crossed <laughs> that we don't get to that point, right? No, I, no, hope not. Yeah. So what lessons did you learn from these two breakdowns? Stay away from I-15 and (laughs) talk. Yeah. Um, Make sure you do have insurance. Make sure you do have an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Be upfront and honest with where you're taking it. I was very fortunate that they were accommodating. I could stay in my rig overnight on their Mm. property. Mm. Um. They would, they had it on these huge stilt lifters and they would um, drop it down at the end of their day and let me know. And I could come in and fix my dinner and get ready for bed. And then they start work pretty early, but I would roll out of bed and have coffee in hand when, when they come and knock on the door and raise it back up, you know? (laughs) Okay. But now do you travel with pets? No, do not. Okay. Okay. So that made that part a little bit easier. Right. But so, yeah, I mean, you just have to have a plan. You have to have patience and just be honest. You know, I, I need to stay on board or um, can you accommodate? If not, the best resources sometimes are asking these shops when you're trying to find one, if they can't help you let me know. Do you have anybody in mind that you would recommend? Do you have another phone number for me? Um, Because a lot of times you really feel like you are at a loss. You've called all the Ford dealerships, you know, right? and you need another option and they know more because they're from the area. Right. And it's their their line of business. So they're Mm going to know about it. Yeah. All right. Well, I I don't want to, I don't want to dwell too much on the the downsides of being on the road. Let's talk about, (laughs) let's talk a bit about all the great things. Now I saw that um, on your Facebook post, you said you completed one year and 25,000 miles. So that's a lot of miles in a year. I want to hear where you went, some highlights from your travels. I think a lot of people in their first year do go kind of wild like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that I'm going to do 25,000 this year, but um, headed straight south out of Washington October and um, we were down here for Halloween but then ready to head east wanted to go um, across the you know the Gulf area and then into Florida and my husband's dream was 
you know, to go to the Keys. So that, uh. you know, we just pinpointed that that's our direction. And so uh, we were in Florida by Thanksgiving. I remember that. Um, and where did you spend Thanksgiving? <laughs> oh, I believe it was Tallahassee. Okay. Yeah, somewhere around the um, Panhandle, Florida area. Now, I want to ask you, um, did you have trouble finding places to stay in Florida that time of year? Because it's a very popular time. The snowbirds start heading down there. Did you have any issues uh, uh, finding places to stay? No, not necessarily. I, we had friends that we wanted to visit and Mm -hmm. they had put in for us to stay in their neighborhood at the, on the curb, which was awesome. They had Mm. to apply homeowners. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's always a a good, I call it mooch docking. That's always a good resource. I love Um, mooch docking. Yes. Done that a lot. You know, it's like, Oh, come stay with us. But it's like, Oh, okay. But I've got my own suite with me. I don't need a bed. I don't need to, you know, maybe a shower would be nice once in a while or, or soak in the bath would mm-hmm. be really great. I do miss that. Mm. Um, but I had to get really creative in Florida more so than I had. And so I stayed, you would apply for permits to stay at water management areas was a really awesome and interesting one where you you find yourself in um, equestrian camps or um, some of them are just out in the middle of nowhere a pasture sometimes it's it's in a um, forested area which was really really fun to to experience too Um, being from the pacific northwest Mm -hmm. you know water management or um a lot of them like a coded gate you would you would get the code so that you could actually go into the camping area that was designated for that and so where did you find these resources a lot of times i simply use um freecampsites.net oh okay yeah yeah Yeah, pretty much the only one i've had to use we stay at rest stops sometimes mm-hmm. cracker barrels are a good favorite mm-hmm. um you can find a lot of those out that that way it's a little harder in the west but yeah, yeah well I, I i know that you said when we talked earlier that you don't like to pay for campgrounds so um just curious about where the places you do stay and do you belong to anything like harvest hosts or boondockers welcome or any of those type of sites I don't pay for any memberships like Thousand Trails or KOA. Um, I looked into Harvest Host, but it just it's just not my thing. My mm-hmm. husband's not a drinker. I'm not. Um, I If I'm paying, I'm paying for, I want to pay for hookup. I want to pay for um, like a pool or a laundry room or... Um, there's only so much you can wash in these little portable washing machines. So, you Oh, you have a washing machine on board. That's great. Oh yeah. Um, they, they, sometimes you need to wash all your big things. So you need actually a, a full size washer. Um, 
So, you know, I'm paying for that. And it's right. usually not a rest when I'm at a campground or an RV park. Um, the longest I've stayed in an RV park was um, one week and it was because my generator was down and I was waiting for my appointment in Flagstaff. So that was okay. on my way down this time to Arizona where I'm at now. Um, and so the smartest thing to do because of the temperatures was to stay plugged in, right. not, burn, not burn gas and, and keep exploring and stuff because I foresee a repair coming. And um, so usually it's only a night or two at a campground is the longest I'll stay. And I can probably count on my two hands how many times I've paid. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. And especially since you don't belong to any memberships. It can be done. It can totally be done. So just freecampsites.net is pretty much the only resource that you primarily and then you know you you'll get shot off to maybe um the u.s gov you know campsites um very cool well that's awesome state the state parks campsites are are helpful too when you're looking for for that kind of thing yeah well state parks are usually charged correct but if you need that you know (laughs) you'll oh yes yeah. And I've lucked out many times and swooped in for just one night at some phenomenal, just, they've been nice surprises. That's what we'll say. Okay. Uh, to, to, to be able to just swoop in and get one on in one night is, was a godsend sometimes. <laughs> gotcha. All right. So I know you're solo right now, but I know you also travel with your husband. Um, Aside from like the obvious of having somebody there with you, what, what are the differences about for you when you're traveling solo versus when you have your husband there with you? I have to think a few steps ahead, further ahead than I do when I have help with that. Um, anywhere from, Hey, can you grab me a Coke or, you know, a snack when we're moving, which is Mm -hmm. awfully nice to have somebody Mm -hmm. It can do that for you. Um, so when I'm by myself, I have to think ahead. Okay, how many stops am I making? What do I need in within reach? Um, how long am I driving? It's usually nice to have another brain to bounce things off of when things go wrong. Right. This world is very small now with the internet too. So there's always resources in groups online. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents are always a great resource, especially when it comes to engine stuff. My dad, um, mom's there for the emotional support and just, you know, so I can vent. So I know that you're now alone and, and you've got your husband back in, is it the Seattle area? Yep. He's, he's back North of Seattle, um, and has been since June. And basically I have this whole year by myself. Till I get back up there in the summer. Okay. So what are your plans for solo travel this, this winter as we head into fall, late <laughs> fall and winter? Excuse me. Um, I have an event next month in California that I'm excited about. I have purchased a ticket for. Mm. Um, so that's kind of the middle of the month. And 
I am a Seahawks fan. I'm kind of contemplating some away games that I could easily swoop to that the temperatures stay warm. Um, Yay, that w- that's fun. Maybe, maybe Texas, maybe Houston in December. Um, the Seahawks come back to Arizona in January, so I want to be here. Um, there's a lot to explore around here, too, that I haven't done yet in Arizona. So, so you're staying at a friend's property. Are there hookups there? Or are you doing dry camping? I have hookups here. Oh, okay. That's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. All right. A lot of places do in Arizona. And how do you find, do you don't have a tow vehicle or anything? Don't have a tow vehicle. No. So how do you find exploring in a 29 foot RV when you want to go to a small town like, um, I don't know, Bisbee, Arizona or something like that. How do you find sightseeing and, and exploring in the longer RV? I do a lot of Google Maps searching with a satellite view so I know if I can fit, turn around, maneuver in some of the smaller areas. Mm-hmm. But I have driven this thing through St. Augustine, Florida. Okay. I did also, um, I mean, certain like national parks. I do a lot of national parks. Mm. And they're usually accommodating. And if they're not, then they have a designated area for you to park. And there's usually shuttle. Okay. So I found that some areas like they'll, some parks, they'll flag you because you're too long to be seen in certain parking lots. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the only thing you just look for oversized parking lots and, and you find a way to shuttle or you can even Uber. I mean, yeah. that's how it gets to the airport. Cause I don't want to take this thing to the airport. Oh, okay. I just yeah. get a cracker barrel near the airport. And he's Ubered there in whenever, oh, dark 30 in the morning. Great. Yeah. This might seem like a, a heavy question, but like what lessons have you learned about yourself in this year of, of being on the road? I've, I know I've haven't ever felt as free as I do now. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while while being solo to come to terms with allowing myself to have joy, to just go, you know, you have done all the hard work and you have done the planning to whether it's to get to the next month or to get across the next state you know, you, you, it takes a little while to get comfortable living this way. And, and yeah, to actually it, does. Just, yeah. it, it just takes a little while, especially when you've, you know, been plugged in to, to the cog, the wheels of, of the machine for so long. Yeah. But you can't doubt yourself because Everything that I've ever feared never really happened. Mm. I was always blindsided with something else. So mm. you're never you're never really prepared mm-hmm. if you know that. Um, 
and just know where your limitations are and when to ask for help. That's great, great insight mm-hmm. and advice. Thank you for that. So what have been some of your favorite moments on the road this year? I have spent so much time in Alligator Alley. Okay. I've never been there. So tell us all about that. <laughs> I, we just decided to take, uh, what is it? I-75 from Naples across to Miami. And there's a toll and everything. Florida has a lot of tolls and expressway mm. turnpikes, I guess. Okay. But we just paid this toll and all of a sudden we were in this really remote, lush, um, very wet area called Alligator Alley. Okay. And there's all these recreational um, viewpoint, like boat ramps, picnic areas, um, viewpoints where you could, you know, get up in a tower and see pretty far. Um, and I just am a people watcher on top of, you know, I wanted to really start honing my nature uh, skills as far as taking photographs. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy taking photographs of, of nature and especially animals. And so we just ended up spending a lot of time in Alligator Alley. Like we would, you know, switch from one rest area for that night we would go to like a picnic area or a trailhead or a boat launch and just kind of spend the day and we found one hot spot that every single time we showed up there there was alligators Mm. at least one if not more than one and it was fun watching everybody's reaction you know they're just pulling off this long I mean, there's really no rest areas on this long stretch of highway between Naples and Miami. Okay. But, um, they pull off, they're just trying to stretch their legs and they get this really awesome treat of, you know, alligators hunting or fishermen fishing and then alligators stealing from them. It was just so much fun. Just, I couldn't watch enough birds. I couldn't watch enough alligators. Um, learning when they decide to hunt and fish, um, watching the fish jump as the sun's going down. It was just some amazing memories and wow. views so, that I will just never forget. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. I did want to ask, so I know you said that you lost your job and, um, you know, so just curious how you went about financing, you know, you're on the road now for a year um, how you've been paying for it and how you manage. I know you don't spend a lot on camping, but there are a lot of other expenses involved. So just curious how you're financing living this full-time life. Um, so far it's out of savings, I guess Mm -hmm. I should say, Mm -hmm. um, before the pandemic hit, my husband's a saver. So he, was able to um, help get this rolling with the purchase of the rig and and things like that. I qualified for unemployment Mm. for a year and a half. Okay. So when we decided that we're doing this, it was like immediately I just started squirreling, squirreling money away. Also, um, we started minimizing, we started shedding, we started selling everything 
mm-hmm. um, getting out from under loans, getting mm-hmm. out from under debt, um, still squirreling everything away. So I have been on savings so far, but um, I know there's going to come a day where I'm going to have to find a, an income mm-hmm. and it could be anything from camp hosting to just a seasonal job in a touristy area. I, you know, whatever I need yeah. to do to stockpile a little bit of money. And, and my idea is just to not have my identity be so much about my job and my work, just work as needed kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I've definitely interviewed quite a few people on this podcast are finding lots of different ways to make it work for them. So I'm sure that you will find your way, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. You sound like a pretty determined individual anyway. So I don't doubt you will find your way. I am still employable. I think it's about finding your own niche. You're carving out something that makes you unique and uh, market that. Right. Yes. And something you enjoy doing. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I really enjoyed chatting with you. Do you have any advice for somebody who's contemplating doing what you've done before they head out? Sometimes your decision isn't going to be understood. And so I think a lot of it is just deciding to do it, making your plan. Sometimes you need to just kind of keep it to yourself. Let it consume you. Um, mm. Share with who's important and do it. Announce mm. it. You know, this is what I do now. This is, this is me now. Don't do it unless you have an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. don't really second guess yourself um I'm glad I didn't I wish I would have done it a lot sooner but having the pandemic just kind of revealed to me what was important um right. to live life now and not wait till later mm-hmm. when I physically might not be able to and I financially might not be able to I just say, you know, be smart about it. Make sure you have what everything you do need. Don't overlook safety. Don't overlook an emergency fund, but also don't, don't think too much about it. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Yeah. That's great advice. I really <laughs> like that. I like that. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jen. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to bring up? No, not really. I mean, do your research. I mean, that's so important. Um, maybe rent an RV and and try it for a little while before you sell everything off and, and minimize yeah. to, to nothing and, and have to start over again. But um, definitely make sure it's, it's something you want to do. There's ways to test the waters before you just make the leap. Absolutely. That's great. That's a great advice. 
Well, cool. Well, thank you so much, Jen. I really enjoyed this conversation and getting to know you a little bit. I want to thank Jen again for taking the time to come share some of her story on our podcast. Here are some of my key takeaways. Number one, if this is a dream of yours, there are ways to make it happen. You could wait for life to throw you a curveball, or you could just jump in and make it happen right now. Number two, get RV towing insurance. Number three, even in popular places like Florida in the winter, you can find free places to camp if you're creative and willing to be flexible. Number four, use your community and resources. Don't be afraid to ask for help or suggestions. And number five, most importantly, allow yourself to experience the joy of this lifestyle. Thanks for listening to another episode of Travels with Squeaky. You can find more content for solo women RVers and campers over at travelswithsqueaky.com. And if you like what you've heard today, please consider leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing with a friend. It really helps us. It means a lot. Travels with Squeaky theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And if you have a person you'd like to see interviewed, or perhaps you'd like to share your own solo travel story, email us at info at travelswithsqueaky.com. See you next week or out there on the road. Mm-hmm.